Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, helping you secure your worth and protect your wealth in divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome again to our podcast, Kate Anthony. And in this episode, we're going to discuss divorce advice. Should I stay or should I go? But first, let's meet Kate. You've all met her before on a prior podcast, but I just want to do a new reintroduction. Kate's the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, the Divorce Survival Podcast, and the creator of the groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, which helps women make the most difficult decision of their lives using coaching tools, relationship education, geeky neuroscience, I love that, community <laughs> support, and deep self-work. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to talk to you guys, as always. Yeah, we love having you. Like I said earlier, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> you mentioned you, this should I stay or should I go is like a revamp, a renewing. Oh, yeah. What is that? I just actually completely revised my program that's been around for three and a half years. And I was sort of taking a look at it and was like, I, you know, after three and a half years of, you know, more client interactions and my my Facebook group has grown exponentially and I just have more information about what people are really looking for in this, in answering this question. So I revised the whole program. I reshot every video. I, you know, it's all brand spanking new. So yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, that. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot less, I mean, I think in the old program, there was a lot of information that people really needed, but I think also like when you're in this critical juncture, like you, you kind of need a little bit more, it's a little bit more streamlined this time. So it's a little bit more specific. I had wonderful guest experts in the last version, but I actually don't have any guest experts in this version. I, it's just me. The guest experts are all on my podcast anyway. So I just link to those when necessary, but a little bit more in depth on stuff that that's just, you know, me, me talking. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. That is so valuable to so many people because that question in that process, everyone has to go through that to make a really good, confident decision. That's right. So I really yeah, admire that's right. that you provide this. That's awesome. Well, in saying Thank that, you. did you go through the process of should I stay or should I go? Oh, I agonized for years. And that's sort of part of why I do what I do. Right. And I mean, among other things, other reasons, but you know, but this particular aspect, like the should I stay or should I go question is something that I struggled with for years. And most people, I was just talking to Susan Guthrie about this. And I think it, I think Aaron Levine said that it takes at usually the average person agonizes with over this question for four years. Yeah, it's a real thing. Right. And so I struggled with it for probably two maybe at least if I'm honest, maybe the whole 10, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. like even before we got married, right. Yeah. Which should have been my red flag. Like, oh the, my the, God. The, you know, the amount of agonizing over, should I marry him? Like, is this, uh... oh my so, gosh. Hey, yeah. that happened to me. Oh really? I, I don't, I just coming back to me when I got married, 
I remember coming back from my honeymoon to work. I walk into work. I'm just sobbing. And I worked at a law office. And the attorney there said, <sighs> you know, we can get this annulled. And I'm thinking, well, wait, I just got married. But to your point, sometimes you kind of know right out of the gate uh, that yeah. there may have been a oops there. Listen to that. I like bet you that, that most right? of the time. I bet most of the times because, you know, I was with my ex for 23 years, but I knew when we were engaged, it was just a toxic right. relationship, but he mm -hmm. had three children that I fell in love with. And right. I thought, how do I, how do I leave those three little girls? You know, absolutely. So, but, you know, absolutely. if you think back all these relationships, it's not just, you know, you don't just wake up and say, I want a divorce. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you've been agonizing. So I did, I agonized about it for years and then you know, ultimately I kept thinking in my head, I was like, I just want a burning bush. I just want someone to, someone is, is we got a leaf blower situation here. So I'm just going to close my window. We don't hear it. <laughs> no, okay. Okay. Good, 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 good. I agonized over it and I wanted a burning bush and I wanted someone to just like come out and tell me like, go, go. Like this yep. is not okay. And the best I could get was a dear friend of mine saying to me, when you know, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> not helpful because I don't know. Right. And he, you know what? He was right. When I knew I knew. And I think for most people, when you know, you know, but I also think that there is a lot of information and a lot of sort of dissecting of the relationship that can get you to that place sooner. And that's what I hope to provide for people because you know, we talk about emotional abuse now in ways that we never, certainly when I was getting, when I was in my marriage and, you know, 15 years ago, we were not having these conversations. We didn't know what coercive control was really, right? As a, you know, the masses didn't. And so had someone said to me, hey, actually, this is not okay. Hey, actually, this is what a healthy relationship should, should look like. Hey, actually, what is happening here like just to point things out to make me realize, okay, I'm not crazy that this is, you know, cause part of the coercive control is, well, you're the problem, right? Making like you feel crazy. Yes. Making you feel crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for someone to be like, you're not crazy, this is not, it's not you. And to, to, ex you know, so that's even just the abuse section of my program. We would, you know, we just relaunched it this week and my, my Emily, uh, who's my online business manager just messaged me and she said, people are skipping to the abuse section. Mm. Like, like they, we have more, more people watching that video and listening to that portion well, than any section so far. Yeah. And I want to hop in there because it's true. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship myself, but you know, everything looked good on the outside. Of course. We had the nice house. We had the nice car. We, our kids are healthy. Everyone's involved. You know, everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. But nobody knows what it's like when you're living on the inside. And emotional abuse is really discounted by a lot of people because they don't see the scars, even though you have many scars on the inside. It's something that people feel ashamed about or embarrassed to admit to that you are actually accepting that behavior on yourself. So I love that you have that in your program. And I love that women and men, because women are very abusive too. Um, it's not yes, just, it's that's not right. just men, uh -huh. but um, right. I love that people are feeling like it's okay to talk about this and it's okay to heal from this. And it's okay that I'm speaking out about this because that's the only way you really truly will heal and you won't bring it into your next relationship. Hopefully that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We have to talk about it and we have to make our, and we have to really 
you know, I don't know how we, you know, coercive control is a form of domestic violence and domestic violence is illegal and yet it's not provable. How do we prove it? How do we make coercive control specifically illegal? They've done it in Connecticut. They've done it in the UK. They've done it in some other countries. I don't know what the, you know, what are the, the evidentiary standards here that we're going to be able to write? Like, because right. how do you so measure that? Right. How, right. Do you measure how do we measure that? But I think it is yeah. having these tough, uncomfortable conversations by speaking right. out. The more people speak out, the more others will listen. And hopefully it snowballs into an effect. And so I think you are taking that step. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, for sure. Your program, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, and part of that, that we, where we come in at My Divorce Solution is the financial abuse. You know, there is such a thing as financial infidelity and people yes, don't believe is. that's true until oh. you go through the process and you realize you've never looked at your tax return, but you were handed to it while you're making your children breakfast to sign it. Or, you know, you don't see supporting documentations or all of a sudden we can't remember passwords. So I can't share it with you, you know, uh-huh. or I talk to you, talk about the gaslighting, you know, you're the spender. I can't share this information with you because I'm saving for our future. You know, that's right. not the way it's supposed to be. You should have healthy right. communication about your finances. That's exactly I right. I agree. Financial abuse okay. is one of the, you know, is, is one of the, the pillars of domestic violence. Like it is. <laughs> like, and it's not totally, it's not debatable, <laughs> you know, right. Go totally. to, you know, the national, the hotline and, and you'll see like, it is one of the, it is, you know, it, it is part of it. So absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't have complete access to all of your finances. And when I say your finances, if you are married, it's all yours, it's all both of yours. Right. And if you don't have the complete access and if someone is not is, is withholding information, passwords, all of that, that is financial abuse. If you are given an allowance, that is financial abuse. Yes, yes. And uh, to I'm... that point, a re- of an indicator, let's just say it mm-hmm. that way, an indicator is if, if you find yourself saying, well, he said, I can't have this, or he said, this <laughs> is the way it's gonna be, or she said, you know, this is how it works. If you find yourself basing your financial conclusions on something someone else says or your spouse says, that's an indicator of financial abuse Yes, because you're not standing in your truth. And one of the first steps we say is know your truth, whatever that Mm -hmm. is. And it's not so much, you know, in revenge of the other person or it's, it's, you have a right, you you're entitled to know. And mm-hmm. that is your right. And that's so important. Um, yep, and, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 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 It is your right as a, as a partnership, as part of the, you know, as a partner in this partnership, it is your right. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is. And actually in divorce, now I'm glad you brought up, if you're married, that's your, your property. And you, we know that some states are community property, your state, California is one example. However, when, some, when your spouse says, that's mine, I brought it into the marriage, you still have a right to that information if you're listening, because you don't know if that money has been commingled. You don't know what the growth of that investment has done during your marriage, if that could be considered marital. So there's a lot of components and different ways to interpret your assets and your debts. So don't take anyone's word to Karen's point, get the information you need so you can stop the financial abusive behavior. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amen. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you say no, on your ahead. website, 
The cold, hard truth is this, my love. I love that you say that. While approximately 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 68% of second marriages also end in divorce, and 74% of third marriages do too. And I think you're going to reflect back on what we've already discussed, but I want to ask you the question, why? Yeah, because people are not doing the work to figure out what went wrong the first time. They are trading out the partner, right? This is, and this is, this is, this is like the, the, the real purpose of my program, to be honest, is, is to make the decision, but also to get you to a place where you're not going to be choosing the same relationship again, over and over and over again. Right. Because we just sort of say, well, you know, and it was, look, it's, it was easy for me, right. To say like, well, he was the problem because he was emotionally abusive. And so I just need to get rid of him and then I'll find somebody else and I'll, and everything will be fine. I picked him, <laughs> right. I chose somebody who was emotionally abusive to me. And I stayed in that relationship for 10 years. That was on me. And if I don't do the work to figure out how that happened and what is my relationship history, what is my, my family history? What was my mapping, my, my relationship mapping? Because we are all handed a relationship map as we, as we grow up based on the relationships that are, you know, shown to us as we grow up, right? Our, our family history, our parents' relationship. This is why I don't believe we stay, we should ever stay in an unhealthy uh, marriage or an unhappy marriage for our children, because that is the map you hand to them. And so if I just, if I, you know, if I acknowledge, okay, I picked this person. So while I'm sort of figuring out whether I should stay or go, I also should be healing that stuff or identifying the things that had me choose this person. And what is it about in my family history that had this person be like the obvious choice so that I cannot make it again and again and again? Because that is because otherwise you're, you're if you're picking with the same picker and your picker is broken, as our friend Bella Gandhi says, if our picker is broken, then... <laughs> you're, you know, you're just going to keep picking the same way and you will end up with one of those statistics, which is, which is horrifying. You know, and that work to go through that process and figure out why it took you so long to leave that relationship, even though you picked the person 10 years ago, but then you stayed four years knowing you should get out. That process of self-identification of what you brought to that toxic type of relationship you do have a role. I mean, it took me two and a half years to get through that process to really see it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. actually, if you're listening and if you're, in, I'm sure if you're in Kate's programs, you see that it's so difficult because it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror. And then you start saying, well, did I contribute to that behavior? And if I didn't contribute to that behavior, would it have been better? When you really go through the work, you realize that if you're with a narcissist, if you're with a certain type of personality, you didn't really contribute to it. You might have added fuel to it because you reacted in a way you probably shouldn't have reacted. You made it more combative. Um, but that's all you knew how to do at that point. It was like, it's like you're protecting yourself, right? So to yeah. go through that work yourself, I, I know how long it takes. And I think it's yeah. a great exercise because that's the only way to a, a better relationship, not even with another partner, but with yourself. Yeah. And 
Absolutely. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little bit about the, you know, look, I, we all have a part, right? We all have our own parts and our own shit. But if you are being abused and gaslit and then you react and you react quote badly, usually that's actually part, you know, people call it reactive abuse. I don't, I have a viral video on TikTok that like uh, it has gone like, uh, like, like super viral on TikTok <laughs> about their saying there's no such thing as reactive abuse. I am not abusing you. I am reacting completely appropriately. When I lose my mind after being needled and needled and needled and needled and needled and needled, and then I, and then I explode, that is appropriate. That is an appropriate human response. And it's part of the design of, of, of a lot of abuse, right? So there's, there was one night in my marriage where, you know, we'd been in couples therapy and the whole thing was, as soon as you're triggered, one of you has to leave, right? That's, that was a tool that we were given. As soon as you're triggered, one of you just like say, excuse me, I got to go. I'm going to take a walk around the block. And the other person has to let the other person go. So this one night I was like, I got really triggered. I don't even know what we were fighting about. I got really triggered. And I was like, okay, I got to go. I'm going to go. And he blocked the doorway and he wouldn't let me out. And I like, I was like, you have to like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. You have to let me go. You have to let me go. And, in, and he, he not only didn't let me go, he then kept pushing and pushing and pushing what he had been doing the whole time. Again, I don't I have no idea what this fight was about until I like was completely gone. I started screaming. I went into the kitchen. I slammed a cabinet. All of the glass rained out of the cabinet door. And then he stood back and was like, wow, <laughs> you're crazy. You know, and then eventually I called my, I was like, I tried to get my car keys. I was like, I'm going over to my friend's house. I tried to get my car keys. He took my car keys. And then finally I called my friends and I said, you need to come get me. And they came and got me. And that was not my problem. That was not my fault. I was not to blame. I reacted. I was not being abusive. Now, if my, if, if someone just goes around slamming cabinets and like in a rage around the house, like, yes, that's abusive. But if you are pushed to that, to your limit and then beyond, right? Because that is a tactic of an abuser, right? To push you beyond and then look, then sit back and be like, whoa, you're, you're the crazy one. Crazy. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I totally, I totally agree with that. And I, I love the pushback. What I meant by what I said was, is that, now I've learned that someone's reactions cause your reactions, right? And yes, I say that right. all the time. I say it all yes. the time. But at the time when you're trying to heal that, you put this blame on yourself you as do. part of that. And so to be able to really stay with the stay with the work to get through that, you will see that exactly what you're saying. Yes, that's right. That that's right. Reactions are causing your reactions. Yes. And it's always the, it's always the, I have a great podcast episode uh, with a friend of mine called, am I the abuser? Because as soon as people learn about abuse and they really start digging into it, the very first question a victim starts to ask themselves is, oh, wait a minute, is it me? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking the question, probably not. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and it is this reactive, right? This, this, like you are in this reactive place. That's not abuse. You know, let's bring that to the financial side about when you do decide to go get divorced and you are yeah. getting at it, whether you're in a, an abusive relationship or not, I'm sure you deal with everyone, 
But when you're leaving it, it took you so many years to decide it. And you're leaving not for any reason other than you're just not happy. And this is not where you see your future going. Why do you feel, and I'm sure Karen will input here as well, so many women leave and say, well, I feel guilty taking some of his retirement assets, you know, because I'm the one that wants the divorce, you know? Yeah. What is your first step with them? Because I know the exercise we put them through, but what do you put them through from the emotional standpoint? You have an exercise on this? I love, I want to, I want to know what that is. Hello. Um, I don't have an exercise. I'm just like, I just, I just let them know the, like the law and right. Like that. Well, and look, I think all of the work that I do with my clients is sort of a, a women's empowerment, you know, catchphrase, but really empowering them to recognize their worth and their contribution, especially if they've been a stay-at-home mom, they will, they will sort of have this idea that like, well, it's not really my money. It's his money, right? Especially if there's been financial abuse, they have been trained to believe that it is his money. And so helping them see that actually he would not be where he is if you were not home taking care of the, the children and the household. That your contribution is what made that money possible. And so it is, you know, and that is why it is their marital funds. Like th- that is why the law is set up to protect yeah. you in that case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I talked to them also about you know, my friend Leslie Bennett's book, The Feminine Mistake, right? Like actually how the the financial impact of women opting out of the workforce is so, uh, so much worse, I think, than any of us ever realize. Certainly not when we're making that decision because we live in a, in a, in a society that glorifies that as sort of the ultimate, right? Like that is the ultimate status symbol. I, I stay home and I am in my Lululemon and I go to yoga and I like all of the things, right? Which is, you know, bullshit. We do so much more than that. Right. And I say this as having been a stay at home mom, by the way, Yeah, I was like, well, I can go to yoga or go grocery shopping. Right. Like usually those things were not happening all the same day. So helping women understand their contribution as opposed to, you know, what society tell, you know, that, that we're just like living in luxury. And then if I want to leave that, you don't deserve any, right? Like that's not what, that's not what it is. And helping women really understand the financial impact of that choice on them, on themselves and how they actually, they actually need that. They are going to need that money because it's not, if you've opted out of the workforce for, for 10 years, you don't just get back in the workforce after 10 years right where you were or like at an elevated status, like it's like, that's like a 20 year gap in terms of right progress and where you would have been. It's not just 10 years. So, right. Cause it could take 10 years for you to rebuild to where you would have been. So, so, and so just helping them understand that is, is really, so what's your exercise? I don't know what your exercise is. (laughs) Well, I think Catherine and I take them through different exercises specifically based on our work with them. But something I tell people, because, you know, when they're starting to explore the divorce process and, you know, applying their emotions to that, I let them know all that what you're saying is true, of course, Kate. But even beyond that, even if they didn't deserve, even if they weren't the best homemaker they thought they should be, even if all these things at the end of the day, this (laughs) is how the courts divide marital assets. So let's figure Mm -hmm. that out first. And then you can apply your emotional behavior to that. 
you can decide if you want to take it or not, but you should know what you're entitled to first because Absolutely. it's not contingent upon your behavior. And I think a lot of people that kind of takes the pressure off of them deserving anything because it's not about whether you deserve it. It's about this is how it works. That's right. And so this is yes. what it would be for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of women, especially when they're first exploring, um, not so much men, but women more specifically, you know, well, he wants the pension, so I'm just going to take this. Well, you need to know the impact of that decision. That's right. Well, you That's need right. to know mm-hmm. if you give up certain assets, how that will financially impact you. And then right. you can decide if you still want to make that decision. And so I'm sure absolutely yes. takes them through mm-hmm. a whole different not a whole different, but we work with clients in different ways. Right. Yeah. And I basically, you know, our whole process is just turning a, a financial nightmare into a financial exercise. Mm-hmm. But with me, it's a little bit just more in detail. And I'll, you know, listen, it's your divorce. So whatever you want to give up, you can give up. Yeah. But right. you have to do this with financial clarity. You have to really understand all the components of your state and how to interpret them. But in putting that down with them, you know, it's just taking them a little bit further than what you do in your work because we do it more financially. It's walking mm-hmm. through that exercise and saying, yes. okay. And then when you show them what they're willing to give up and the financial impact that will have on them, if they That's get right. sick, if they can't get that job you just talked about, or if one of their children has a need or, or the husband gets remarried and he's going to share that money with his new wife, you know, how will you feel? And all, when you go through this and you put it into two different type of formats, or maybe even sometimes three formats, and you put them in front of somebody and you say, yes. which would you prefer? Yes, you know, that's right. Now they're starting to think about post-divorce and how the impact is and Absolutely. what it's really going to look like post-divorce. So you're making really clear decisions through our exercise then based on being bullied into something or feeling guilty about something or just not understanding. That's right. That's right. And that is why I will always say to people, you need to like talk to people like you guys, or, you know, at least because I am not a CDFA, this is not my area of expertise, but I will always say like, you need to know actually what the numbers are before you decide to give up some of the numbers. Let's find out what they are. Right. So yeah. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Well, I just they don't... could take the, They could take the numbers back to you and then go through the emotional piece. That's right. You know, I got the Absolutely. numbers. Now help me emotionally rationalize this. Right. And then you could just give them your tough love and Absolutely. you'll see it a lot clearer. And then again, at the end of the day, it gets them to a successful path moving forward. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Everything always for me comes back to the patriarchal systems that make women feel like they don't deserve, or, you know, they, they don't, they shouldn't ask for, or all of the things, right. It is the thing that keeps us, well, it's the thing that keeps the patriarchy alive, right? Like as long as we continue to believe that we are less than and don't deserve and all of the things, then the more the whole system gets to, you know, continue. You know, that was, that's one of the kind of positives that came out of this pandemic is that the stay-at-home mom now has a little bit more compassion from their spouse because when those spouses were working remotely from home, I'm telling you, they couldn't handle the kids. They couldn't handle that 24-hour service around the kids. They had nowhere to go, no outlet. And I'm sure their eyes opened a little wider and said, oh my gosh, she does more than I thought she did. Well, and then it had the, you know, there was also the opposite, which was that two working homes, like more than 5 million women ended up opting out of the workforce because when they were two working parents at home, usually the man, the dad was like, I have a meeting and would just go in and close the door. And the, the mom was like, yeah, me 
two, but I, okay. Right. And I guess that doesn't matter as much. And someone has to take care of the kids. So I guess that's me and, you know, huge impact on women in the workforce. Well, maybe that gave an eye opener to a woman who realizes that, you yeah. know what, I multitask more than I thought I did. And maybe this uh-huh. will help me with my decision to move forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there was an inherent assumption about whose work was more important. Right. Oh, right. That's so, that's good. Kate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So before we close out our discussion today, because we could talk for hours, I'm sure, mm-hmm. Kate, I would like our audience to hear how therapy is different from coaching, because I think a lot of good people question. need that clarity. Such a great question. Thank you for asking it. Yes. So the basic sort of line that we use that we that the coaches usually say is that, and, and it's true, <laughs> like, is that therapy kind of takes you where you are and digs into your past and helps to heal the wounds of the past so that you can move forward, you know, with healing. And I think a lot of it is about healing the the childhood experience so that you are no longer reacting from the child brain in your in your life. You're actually now using your more adult brain in life experiences because you've now sort of separated those two out and, and healed that part or, you know, have it's a it's an ongoing process. Right. And coaching takes you where you are now and moves you forward into a life of your own design. In my opinion, that also that requires the therapy work. You know, you can't move forward. You know, the roadblocks that you are going to come up against time and time again, as you are moving forward in your life are going to be these, this, you know, past stuff. Right. So my favorite clients are the ones who have been in therapy for years and years and years and are like, yeah, 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 I get it. But what now? Right. Okay. Okay. No, no, totally. Yes, I have this, I have that, I have all these things. Okay, but what now? Now what? What do I do with that, right? Therapists cannot be directive. They are ethically barred from being directive. I mean, I was once in <laughs> I was once in a in in therapy with a wonderful wonderful therapist that I love dearly. And for a few months, and I finally one day went into her and I was like, I think I'm depressed. I think I might need to go back on meds. I think that's what's happening. And she was like, I've been waiting for you to, to realize this. And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) What? A friend of mine recently said his mom is a therapist. His ex-wife is a therapist. And he recently said to me, he's like, it feels like, like you go to a doctor for like an ailment and you just sit there and talk for like, four hours until you suddenly realize that what you have is like, you know, a gastrointestinal blockage, right? Like that's insane. You're the doctor. You tell me, right? Coaching is far more directive. I can say things to my clients that a therapist can never say. And I can say, and then I'll say, I think you should like, let's talk about this thing. And I will say, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I see. This is what I'm hearing. And they'll be like, oh, fuck. Oops, sorry. Can I say that on your show, guys? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> have you met me? I figured you would have warned yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and you'd be like, uh, uh, you know, oh, 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 okay. That actually resonates. And I'll go, okay, now take that to your therapist because I think there's more work to be done there. Right? That's awesome. Right. But I can open the door kind of wide 
Now, carefully, obviously, I'm not going to like trigger trauma, right? I am, I am trauma informed. I am, you know, and this is, this is the other thing you want to really look for in your coaches, people is that pretty much anyone can call themselves a coach. There are tons of training programs. There's tons of certifications. There's, there's no licensure the way that there is for therapy, no, which no is regulation. great. There's no, there's no regulation. regulation. Okay. There's no regulation. So you want to look for a coach who is trained by a reputable company. And the way that you find that out is there's something called the International Coaches Federation. And if the school is accredited by the ICF, then they, they rise to a certain level. You, you want to make sure that your coach actually has, has training and certification in and ongoing training, right? Like in my work, I, you know, I am certified as an individual coach. I'm trained as a relationship coach in like Gottman methodology and family systems methodology. I became certified as a domestic violence advocate this year because I was, I, I came upon it over and over and over again in my work. And suddenly I was like, I really need to understand this on a much deeper level because Every time I would tell a client to call their local DV shelter, they were overrun. They didn't have room, you know, whatever else they, they couldn't get the information. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get the information. Right. And so I'm being trained as a co-parenting specialist. Like you just want somebody who is continuing their education in these areas, not just someone who's been through a divorce and then thinks they know how it works. Right. Like, That's good to know. know. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good that you say that because I think a lot of people going through divorce, A, think that anyone who's gone through it has good advice. Not true. Not very likely. And then no. when you add that layer of a coach uh, establishing their credentials just because they've gone through a divorce makes them an expert, again, could be not helpful. So I'm not. glad you said that. And that's very important for people to hear because. Yeah. When you're in this, this type of life transition, you're so vulnerable and it's That's really right. hard because mm -hmm. you, you're kind of out of sorts and it, it yes. is important that you find very good qualified advice. Yes. And yeah. also I want to say that the same thing is true of therapy mm -hmm. because there are so many, so many bad therapists in the world right now. Therapy training programs are like factories. They churn people out at alarming rates. Now, licensure is a little bit more stringent, right? It's a little like the, the exams that you have to take and the hours that you have to put in, but there is no, there's no sort of gatekeeper at the end saying, like, actually you don't graduate or you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are a lot of people out there who are practicing really bad therapy. And so you want to find someone who does not just has licensure, but actually has, as I said, for myself, same thing, like ongoing education, additional training. You want someone who has additional training in what it is you're seeking. So you go, you know, you go to a therapist for your eating disorder, who doesn't have additional training in eating disorders, you are going to have someone doing damage, right? If you're going to a therapist about abuse and trauma, and they do not have trauma training, you're not going to get the, the work that you need, and it could do additional damage. So you want people who have ongoing additional training in the thing that you are dealing with. I also right. love what you said. And I think that if you let it go past you, you should rehear what I'm going to say that Kate said. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I love the fact that you point out that therapy is for going backwards in time to fix any wounds that you had to heal that. And that coaching is really to take you from today to move forward. And there is nothing wrong. And it's probably even better to have a good therapist to heal a little bit and a great coach to help you really move forward. Cause we all want to move yes. forward after divorce. Everybody yes. wants to move forward and get to the other side. So it's really important to have someone who can direct you. Like you mm -hmm. said, there, that was a great explanation and do this work. It's so worth it because after divorce, there's endless possibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, listen, I think everyone should be in therapy and everyone should have a coach. Right? I think yes. they work well in tandem. You're you know, right. I absolutely, absolutely. And I love working with my clients who have therapists who are like, Hey, you should bring that back to your coach. And I'm like, yeah, you bring that back to your therapist. And then you've got the whole thing going. And, yeah. and yes, it is a privileged you know, thing it's like all call costs money. You know, the really good therapists are usually out of network. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, well, you know, you have to invest in yourself and Karen and I, yeah. we come from the financial side, of course. So we tackle in on that where you feel that financial insecurity and you need the awareness and the knowledge to make good decisions that you can move forward. But you know what? You have to invest in yourself all around. Yes. Yeah. And that's why you should take the pension. You should not yes. give up. Right. Because if you think about it, right, like the healing, listen, if I didn't have my spousal support, I would not have been able to have the therapy and the therapist that I had when I got, and I was in therapy three times a week when I got out of my marriage, yeah. three you times know. a week. I've said this that once. Expensive as shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I said this once. I said it a thousand times. If you get too much in your settlement and you want to give your money back, I'll help you write a check. But they've <laughs> nobody's ever come back and asked us to help them write a check. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I well, love it. It's it's so important, especially in the divorce process, to make sure you have a team. And that's one of the, I do a lot of budgets with our clients. That's one of the most important things is the ability to pay for qualified help. And if you establish that in your budget, then you're taking that stress off and you're getting it on the plate and you know that you're getting to the end result sooner, more efficient and more clear. A lot mm -hmm. of people just say, well, my attorney's going to handle that. And then they spend three, four or five times more money than they should all while they could be getting really good help. So it's important that people know that and understand it as they navigate this very difficult process. So Kate, thank you so much for being here with us today. Just, can you just spend a couple minutes helping people understand how to navigate your website and what you think would be important to them if they're in this space of should I stay or should I go? Yeah. So, I mean, the, yeah, my website is kateanthony.com. If you click on the button at the top that says, should I stay, then it'll take you to my program, my newly revised program, but everything is on there. I have my divorce survival program. I have, you know, link to my Facebook group, which is wonderful, wonderful community for women. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at the divorce survival guide. And everything is everything, you know, all links are on my, on my website. So Perfect. yeah, thank you. <laughs> I okay. think it's, I hope it's pretty easy to navigate. I, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. It's always good to reinforce, right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sure. So this concludes this episode of Divorce Advice with Kate Anthony. Should I stay or should I go? Kate, thank you so much for a great conversation. 
Thank you both for having me. I so appreciate it. And I love talking to you guys. Great seeing you again. By the time my divorce was over, I was actually in a better place financially than I had ever been in my life. That's a quote from a My Divorce Solution client, Sarah, a divorced mom of three. We know the thought of divorce can leave you feeling scared, angry, and overwhelmed at the unknown path ahead. The first step to feeling in control of your future is to know what you have and know what it means to you. That's why we create a financial portrait for each client. Financial clarity that secures successful divorce outcomes for your family. If you're looking to navigate divorce with financial clarity, not fear, guiding decisions, head to our website at MyDivorceSolution.com to get more information on how the financial portrait secures your worth and protects your wealth. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.